Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. My Bible is open up to Acts chapter 5. Please open up your Bible. We're going to go there in just about a minute or so. Acts chapter 5. Our theme this year is turning the world upside down. I'm so thankful for so many who are studying with others in the community, studying the Word of God, sharing sermons, inviting people to worship services. Let's continue to turn the world upside down. If you study with people long enough, a couple of topics are going to come up that you're going to have to address that we all need to know how to answer, one is going to be the Holy Spirit. People have lots and lots of questions about the Holy Spirit. A second is feelings. A lot of people often say, I feel like I've been saved, when we start talking about the subject of salvation. Something else that happens is that typically these two subjects, the Holy Spirit and feelings, kind of intertwine. The Holy Spirit told me or somebody will say something like that or they'll have certain feelings or ideas as a result of the Holy Spirit. This morning I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about feelings as well. Make no mistake about it, the Holy Spirit is real. I ask you to turn over to Acts chapter 5. What we find in Acts chapter 5, we find Ananias and Sapphira. They lied to the Holy Spirit. I want you to notice in Acts 5 and verse number 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? Look at verse number 4. He says, why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. The Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is described as God. He is one of the three personalities that make up the one God, the Godhead. This is what we read about in the Old and the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is described as being eternal in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 14. Just as a father is everlasting to everlasting, according to Psalm chapter 90, Jesus is eternal, according to John chapter 1. Well, the Holy Spirit is also described as being eternal as well. We see these attributes that the Holy Spirit has. We know like in passages like Acts chapter 13, verse number 1, the Holy Spirit speaks. He can resist or or hold people back like in Acts chapter uh, 16. He did not allow Paul to go to certain places. And so we see these attributes of, of, um, of the Holy Spirit all throughout the Word of God, these qualities of personhood. The Holy Spirit also has feelings and emotions. Ephesians chapter 4. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 30. So as you talk to other people, and for your own self as well, it's important to know what the Bible has to say regarding the Holy Spirit. Now, as we talk about feelings, feelings are found all throughout the Bible. It is natural and normal to have feelings and emotions. God has given us those as well. In fact, what's interesting is that he's given us boundaries of even when we have certain feelings and emotions. Remember Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it's verse number 26. Be angry and yet what? Do not sin. So there's still boundaries even with these feelings and emotions, how we control them. 
So as we think about the Holy Spirit and feelings and these emotions, these things go hand in hand. In fact, what's interesting, when you study the book of Acts, you'll see what the Holy Spirit is doing with the words that are being proclaimed by the Spirit through the apostles, the miraculous powers that are being performed, and a lot of different feelings and emotions as a result of that. An example of this is in Acts chapter 8. We turn over there. In Acts chapter 8, we find the man described as the Ethiopian eunuch. We're going to come back to this story. But I want you to notice that the eunuch heard words from the Holy Spirit. And he obeyed those words. He became a Christian. And I want you to see that in Acts chapter 8 and verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away And the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. He had these feelings and emotions of great intense joy because of obedience to the gospel. The book of Acts shows us that the early saints experienced lots of different feelings and emotions. You stay in Acts chapter 8, and the first four verses, Stephen had been put to death. And what we see in Acts chapter 8, in verse number 1, there's a great persecution. The saints are going to be scattered. Look at verse number 2. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. What were they feeling? They're going through a lot of different emotions, weren't they? That's what we see in the Word of God. And so, yes, this is a good study for all of us to think about the Holy Spirit and feelings, but how do we navigate these things? That's something important. Just as the Spirit had feelings and emotions, He can be grieved. Think about Jesus when He was on earth. John 11 and verse 35, Jesus wept. What happens, though, as we study with people... This is a trend that we see, and we need to be careful of this as well, where our our feelings can begin to override the facts. The Holy Spirit expressly states or says. We have passages like that in Ephesians 4 and verse number 1. And our feelings cannot override the facts or what the Holy Spirit has given us in His Word. There has to be this alignment. And so I want to walk you through a couple of thoughts here that I think will help us as we study with people, how do we navigate our feelings? And people do have feelings and emotions. We should believe that to be the case, and we have them as well. How do we navigate that and what the Holy Spirit has to say? Well, let's study in the book of Acts for just a few minutes. I want to walk you through, and I want to share a couple of examples. I want you to notice the different feelings that people had as a result of the Holy Spirit of what he was teaching, of what he was performing through the apostles. Now, first, we need to start in John chapter 16, and then we'll get over to the book of Acts. Look over in John chapter 16. This is a passage that needs to be remembered as we talk about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is speaking to the apostles. He would tell them in verse number 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. The apostles were going to be guided by the Holy Spirit. They were going to be guided in all truth. They were going to do the will of God. Well, this is what we see when we get to the book of Acts. I want you to notice what happens in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit is at work. When you think about the book of Acts, you can say it's the actions of the apostles, but it's also the actions of the Holy Spirit who is working through the apostles. I want you to notice that the Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost. The apostles are baptized with the Holy Spirit 
They began speaking in tongues, a known language that the crowd could understand. They're speaking in tongues. A miracle has been performed. And I want you to notice what the people did, how they responded. In verse number 7, they were amazed and astonished. Why are, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? What were they feeling? What were they experiencing? They were experiencing amazement and wonder. This is awesome. But there were also those who mocked what was taking place. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse number 13. There were those who heard the same thing, saw the same things, but others in verse 13 were mocking and saying they are full of sweet wine. I find it interesting that you have a couple of different emotions that are taking place, a couple of different feelings that are taking place there. Some are amazed and excited and standing in awe, and others are stubborn and prideful and rejecting the power that's right in front of them. Peter preaches the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. And after he preaches words of the Holy Spirit... I want you to see what happens. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 37, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Have you ever been pierced in the heart? They were convicted. And they no doubt felt a lot of different things. What do you feel when you are convicted by God's word? Guilt or shame or fear. They were pricked in their hearts. That's what the teaching of the Holy Spirit does. It convicts men of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment to come. That's John chapter 16, verses 8, 9, and 10. And so those on the day of Pentecost were experiencing a lot of feelings as a result of the teaching of the Holy Spirit. There were some who responded with obedience and some who did not. We see a lot of different feelings and emotions that were taking place as a result of what the Spirit was doing, teaching, and performing. I love Acts chapter 2 and verse number 43. The Christians, after they had obeyed the gospel, they're abiding steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Read with me in your Bible in verse 43. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. I love that because why were they feeling a sense of awe? Because of what the Spirit had done. Because of the power of the Spirit. He would say, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. There is this great feeling of amazement and wonder because they see the Holy Spirit at work. There are lots and lots of feelings and emotions that we find in the book of Acts because of the Spirit and what the Spirit was doing. You read Acts chapter 2 and verse number 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with what? Gladness and sincerity of heart. What do we find here? There's joy among God's people. I hope and pray there's still joy among God's people today. Joy among spending time with one another. And I hope we still have this sense of awe as we read the Holy, what the Holy Spirit was doing and with the great promises that we have through God. You see, the Holy Spirit was at work. And no doubt there were a lot of different feelings and emotions that people had because of his teaching, because of the miracles that were being performed. There are other examples of this. Look over in Acts chapter 3. Remember in Acts chapter 3? 
In Acts chapter 3, there was a man who was healed. I want you to notice how he responded. I want you to notice how others around him responded as well. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to perform a miracle. In verse 7, seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. What's he feeling? Joy, happiness, excitement. Rightfully so. His life has been changed forever. He's not the only one that has a lot of different feelings and emotions. Verse number 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him as well. So they're feeling a lot of different emotions as well as a result of what the Spirit did. But not everyone felt joy and amazement and wonder. If you turn over to Acts chapter 4, we see how some responded to the work of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4 and verse number 1, as they were speaking to the people, so this is a continuation of Acts chapter 3 with Peter and John and what they had uh, performed at the temple. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, watch their response. Look at verse 2. Being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people, And proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They are disturbed. They are annoyed. They are angry. And I find that's interesting as well. That there are those who are opposed to the gospel. And there are those who are not going to have the same kind of feeling of excitement and joy. Because of what the Spirit was doing. We find another uh, example of this in Acts chapter 5 with different emotions and feelings that people had as a result of what the Spirit was doing. Look over in Acts chapter 5. We read this earlier. What we have here is a case of church discipline. Ananias since the fire. They lied to the Holy Spirit. They were killed on, on spot instantly. This news traveled to the church. Look at what the church and how they responded. Verse 11. And great fear came over the whole church. And over all who heard of these things, that's what they felt. That's the emotions they were experiencing. Why? Because they saw what happened when Christians lied to the Holy Spirit. Over and over again, we find different emotions and feelings that people have as a result of what the Spirit has done. And they often go hand in hand. And it's something good for us to think about. Hopefully, we have great joy In our hearts, because of what the Spirit has done. The salvation that we have through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The joy because of the Word of God that's been revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. Hopefully we have the proper feelings and emotions. But here's the danger as we start talking about feelings. We have to make sure that our feelings, and this is including those in the world and even us, that our feelings are in alignment with the facts. And what often happens is that feelings that people have often override the facts or the revelation that the Holy Spirit has given us. I want you to see there's a pattern in the book of Acts as we start talking about salvation where we see both facts and feelings. 
the facts are going to lead to these individuals having certain feelings and emotions. What we have to be careful of is not allowing the feelings to override the facts. We have to make sure that we help other people in the world understand you have to understand the facts. Because if you're just going off of your feelings, well, feelings can be wrong. And we can be deceived if not careful. You remember back in the day of Pentecost, back in Acts chapter 2, what did Peter do? Well, number one, he preached the gospel. What he's doing in Acts chapter 2, he is laying out the facts about who Jesus is. He's going to conclude in this sermon that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He's going to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's going to talk about the ascension of Jesus, that he is sitting at the right hand of God. He's going to make it clear to them in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified as a result of giving the facts, teaching and preaching the gospel. What did the people feel? Well, now they're filled with conviction and guilt Now there is this conviction in their heart or in their conscience because they've learned the facts. See, the facts now produce this feeling that they had. And yet what they did next, they obeyed the facts. In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, they responded with obedience. Look here in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Peter said to them, repent. They all had to turn away from their sins and turn to God. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. This is the one baptism in water for the forgiveness of sins. Not because you're already saved. No, this is in order to be saved for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of salvation, entrance into the kingdom of God. And now you're part of this new covenant with Jesus Christ. And so they responded to the facts. They felt guilty and they felt the shame. And yet they responded with obedience. And now as a result of that, as a result of being in Jesus Christ, now their feelings have changed. Now there's joy and gladness, as we just read. There's gladness in their hearts. There's awe. There's appreciation. There's gratitude. There's praise and worship. But the facts were driving those feelings. They may have said, well, I feel like I'm saved, but they they knew they weren't because they learned the facts. But because of obedience to those facts, they had something far greater than just feeling that they were saved. They knew that they were saved. That is a big distinction. Let me show you another example. Look over in Acts chapter 8. Let's go back to this man here, the Ethiopian eunuch. He's going back to Africa. Remember him? He's, he's probably already feeling a lot of great things because he was worshiping God in Jerusalem. He's in his chariot. He's going back to Africa. And Philip is going to take him over. He's going he's to study the word of God with him. In Acts chapter 8, this man is going to be taught the facts concerning Jesus. How the prophets of old, like Isaiah, foretold about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Philip is going to teach him, and he asks him a question. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I? Unless someone guides me, and he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. What facts did this man learn? He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. He learned the facts about the death of Jesus Christ 
Certainly he's also going to learn the facts about the resurrection of Jesus Christ that Isaiah spoke about as well. The eunuch answered Philip and said in verse 34, Please tell me, of whom does a prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, which all of us need to do, and beginning from this scripture, which all of us need to use, he preached Jesus to him. He's given him facts. And they went along the road. They came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? The baptism that he's going to receive, the one baptism that everyone must have, is water baptism in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Is there someone here who believes that today? What are you going to do with the facts about Jesus? So what did this man receive? He received facts. And those facts drove his feelings. Because now he experiences, as we read earlier, intense joy. When you are saved from your sins, there should be a lot of joy in your hearts. But it doesn't stop at the moment of baptism. That's our fear, though, right? Can we still have this joy? Can we still maintain this joy? We can and we should because we're in Jesus Christ. But notice the facts are driving these feelings. He could rejoice. He could be excited. Why? Because he learned the truth. He obeyed the truth. The feelings can't override the facts. The facts here are driving these feelings that this man had. Look at another example in Acts chapter 11. We may not talk about this chapter as much. This is the aftermath of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is a great chapter. With Cornelius and his household being saved, uh, they're saved through obedience to the gospel. They're, they had been taught the good news of Jesus Christ. But some of the Jewish brethren back in Jerusalem, still fascinated how they ever learned about what happened, they're upset. And they got, they got, they're all in their feelings too, right? Look at how they respond in Acts chapter 11 when Peter and those other men get back. Acts chapter 11, verse 1. Now the apostles and brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised, those Jewish Christians, took issue with him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. How dare you go into a house of a Gentile? You see what they're feeling, what they were feeling? They were angry. They're criticizing Peter. That's what they were feeling. Those were the emotions that they had. But those were not in alignment with what God had done. Watch what Peter does. What Peter's going to do, he's going to give them the facts. He's going to tell them that the Spirit was working. In verse 12, he said, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, told me to go with them, Cornelius, without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angels standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa, and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved. You see, take note of this verse here. When it comes to our salvation, we do not base it just upon our feelings, but rather upon words that have been given. Notice that he said in verse 12, he will speak words to you. Do not ignore what the Holy Spirit says in his word. 
If you're going to be delivered from your sins, become a child of God, then you must hear words of the Holy Spirit. See, that's what Peter gave to Cornelius and his household. He will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. So he's rehearsing all of this to those Jewish brethren who were all in their feelings and being upset and angry because he ate with some Gentiles. And as I began to speak, verse 15, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, God gave them the same gift as he gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Let's make sure that we never stand in God's way. When they heard this, now I want you to notice this. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. So notice again, they started off feeling a certain way, angry, upset, loud, criticizing Peter. He gives them the facts about what the Spirit was doing, how the Holy Spirit was working, how Cornelius and his household were saved, and now their feelings changed. Now they're glorifying God. You see, once they understood the facts, now their feelings are changed and different. This is important as we talk to people. The facts have to be driving these feelings and emotions that we have and that other people have. We can have feelings, but our feelings can be wrong. They can be based off of the wrong things. One of the best examples may be the Philippian jailer. He's on a roller coaster ride in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, this man is going through all different kinds of feelings. But he's going to learn the facts concerning Jesus Christ. We know that he had beaten Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. We know that he had thrown them into prison. We know that Paul and Silas were singing and praying at midnight. What a great example for us. When you suffer, when you get that diagnosis or that family gets that diagnosis, that thing that brings a, a lot of fear in your life, when you feel down or depressed, here's a great thing to do. Pray and sing. They're singing at midnight in prison. They're not ashamed of their faith in Jesus Christ. Never be ashamed of who you are and the confidence that we have in Jesus. They're singing and praising God in Acts 16 and verse 25. An earthquake comes in verse 26. The foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. So what's this man feeling? Well, despair, hopelessness, fear. It's the end of the line for this jailer. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, that's what he was feeling, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, What must I do to be saved? A question everyone should ask. A question everyone should respond to with obedience. They said, Paul and Silas, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Now he's got the whole house together. How can you be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus. What does that look like? Well, keep on reading. Let's get the rest of the story. Don't stop there. They spoke the word of the Lord to him. So you see what they're doing? 
Now they have to give them the facts. All right, you can be saved. You can be saved tonight. You can be saved today. But you got to get the facts. Uh, we got to teach you about who Jesus is. We got to help you to understand what he has done and what he has established and repentance and believing in him. They spoke the word of the Lord to him together with all who were in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night. What a change of events. He had beaten Paul and Silas earlier that day, but now he's washing their wounds that he inflicted upon them. At midnight, it's got to be past midnight by then, but that very hour of the night, and wash their wounds, keep reading, and immediately he was baptized. Why was he baptized immediately? Because he had been taught the word of God. Just like the Ethiopian eunuch was in Acts chapter 8. Just like those 3,000 in Acts chapter 2. He was taught the word of God. He got the facts concerning Jesus, how to have his sins washed away. He had to be born again. And he and his family were baptized that night. Now watch this. And he brought them into his house. You talk about a changed life. This man has been converted to Christ. He brought them into his house and set food before them. One of my favorite verses. Someone obeys the gospel. We got to eat. All right. It's Bible. We got authority for it. All right. He set food before them. But notice his feelings now. There's no fear. There's no hopelessness. There's no despair. What's he have now? Rejoice greatly. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When we listen to his words, when we are obedient to him, that should be the natural response of joy in our hearts. He rejoiced greatly, having believed in God with his whole household. Don't you find it interesting when he believed in God, having believed in God with his whole household? It wasn't when he asked the question, what must I do to be saved? He was not saved just when he asked that question. And it wasn't when Paul said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now, he was giving him instructions to lead him down the right path. He's not saved at this point. So he's, he's going to be saved, but first he's got to hear the word of God. He's got to be taught the truth. He's got to know who Jesus is, right? But he's got to do something else. You see it, right, in the text? He's got, to, he's got to put on Christ in baptism. You see, you're not saved just because you ask the question, what must I do to be saved? And you can hear me or someone else or a Bible class teacher tell you what the gospel is all about. But ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, young people, visitors, there has to be a response on your part to accept the gospel and to respond with obedience. You can't have this kind of joy Before you obey, this is driven because of the facts that he followed. So facts are going to drive these feelings. Feelings are fine. They are appropriate. They are normal. But they must align with the facts. Now people say, well, I I see what the scriptures teach, but I, I still feel saved. I just feel it. Well, we can have a lot of feelings, but the standard is never our feelings. You study with someone, make sure they understand that the standard is never our feelings. Our feelings can change in an hour, 20 minutes, two minutes. You know what the standard is? The word of God, the Bible. That's the standard. 
There's a passage in Romans chapter 8. We're going to conclude with this. I, I hope you take notes. If you have questions, let me know. This could change your life, can change someone's life as you teach them. But it's also going to give us, I believe, encouragement as well. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 16, Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit all throughout the book of Romans. He reminds us in verse number 14 that all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. I pray that every Christian in this building this morning is being led by the Holy Spirit. That's not talking about miracles or speaking in tongues. It's talking about submitting to God, submitting to his word, and allowing that word to guide us and to lead us in our lives. Are you led by the Holy Spirit? Don't be afraid to use that kind of language. He's going to talk about the Spirit. I want you to notice what he says in verse number 16. He says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Notice the significance of this statement here. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about our spirit. One has said this, this witness, depending on your translation, testifies or witnesses. This witness is neither found in the form of a voice speaking to us. Sometimes people say, well... Um, You know, the Spirit told me this. He he spoke to me. Well, this is not talking about the Spirit speaking to us. If we're going to hear from Him, we've got to go to His Word. And that is not putting down the Holy Spirit when we say that. This witness is neither found in the form of a voice speaking to us, nor by some feeling, but rather by knowing that we have done what the Holy Spirit directs. You see, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. What else can we see from this text here? This is important for us. Number one, it's significant to note that the text says, the Spirit, Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit. It does not say, to our spirit. Some misquote and misapply the text and conclude that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us personally. That's not what he's doing. But he is bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Witnesses or witnesses give testimony. In here in Romans 8:16, we have two witnesses, the spirit and our spirit. So when the testimonies of the two witnesses agree, then there is certainty that the person is a child of God. When the two agree, then there's a person, then a person can be certain that he is sanctified, that he is set apart as one of God's children. Here's what this looks like. How can I know that I'm a child of God? All right, the Holy Spirit is not going to speak to me directly. He's not going to speak to me in a dream. He's not going to speak to me in a vision or on the side of the road or any other time. All right, he's not doing that anymore. But I can't hear from him from the word of God. How can I know and not merely feel like I'm saved? I don't want just mere feelings. I want confidence. I want to know. I don't want to have to guess. I want to know that I'm a child of God. How is that possible? Well, does your spirit align with what the Holy Spirit says? Have you done what the Holy Spirit says? I think this is the idea of how he's bearing witness with our spirit. We can know that we are a child of God when we listen to what the spirit says in his word. Let's walk through this. Number one, what does the spirit say as we start talking about salvation? 
So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Can we say amen to that? Do we agree with that? That's what the spirit teaches, right? So here's your first question. If you want to know if you're a child of God, you ready? Here here, here we go. Here we go. Have you done that? Have you heard? And are you listening to what the Bible has to say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's yes or no. If we haven't done that, then how are we going to have confidence that we are a child of God? What else does the Spirit say? Well, the Spirit says this, that we have to believe in the Lord Jesus. In fact, Jesus said that in John chapter 8 and verse number 24. If one is going to be saved, that's what Paul and Silas told the Philippian jailer. And this is what Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse number 24, that one must believe in him. Therefore, I say to you that you will die in your sins for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Do we believe Jesus is the son of God? Do we believe Jesus came and came to this earth and lived a sinless life and died for our sins and was buried and rose from the grave on the third day? Do we believe that, that he is God? Well, have we done this? Can we say that we've done what the Spirit tells us to do? If we haven't done this, if we have not believed Jesus to be who he is, then we can't have any confidence that we are a child of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What else does the Spirit say? Well, he tells us we have to turn away from our sins. Repent, and every one of you be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. So we have to ask ourselves, well, have we done this? Have we turned away from our sins and have we turned to God? If we haven't, then our spirit is not in alignment with what the spirit is teaching us. The spirit says that we have to confess who Jesus is. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, Paul is going to talk more about this. Let me just turn over there real quickly. And sometimes people just go to this one text, but you can't leave out Romans chapter 6 because he talks about baptism there. But he does say in Romans 10 and verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, there's that belief, there's that faith, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Well, have we done that? You see, we have to gather up all the facts. We have to repent and believe and confess And as we've seen with the eunuch, with the Philippian jailer, with 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost, with Cornelius and his household, we must be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. This is not optional. It's not because we've already been saved. It is in order to be saved. It is for the forgiveness of sins. So look at this here for a second. Romans 8 and verse 16 is a powerful text that we can know that we are a child of God. How can I know that I'm a child of God? We just can't go off of our feelings because feelings can lead us astray. Rather, we need to make sure, have we done what the Holy Spirit is teaching in his word? If we have not done this, then we cannot have confidence that we are a child of God. You see, this is why the facts are so important. The Holy Spirit is not going to speak to us directly. If you wait for him to do that, you will wait the rest of your life. But he does give assurance of salvation, and we can know this when we look at what we have done 
whether or not it aligns with what the Word of God says. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7, we walk by faith. You see, we have confidence in what He has said through His Word. The Holy Spirit speaks and has given us revelation and gives us confidence that we can know that we're right with God. And yes, it's normal to have feelings, and rightfully so. We should be convicted by the words of the Spirit, even today, when we hear them preached and taught, and as we are reading God's Word. We should be filled with joy and awe of God's power and majesty, even today. But ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, feelings are not the standard. We have to listen to what God has said in His Word. This is actually important even for us as people of God. Because our feelings sometimes can override the facts, can't they? They can override the facts, what we know to be true. We know in passages, will you hang with me just two more minutes? In 1 John chapter 1, this is important for Christians. There are Christians in this audience who are struggling, who sometimes have doubts, and life has a way of, of hitting us, and sometimes it may be with our sin, whether or not we're truly forgiven. Well, John says, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes we can struggle with this. Am I really forgiven? I don't feel like I'm really forgiven. Well, that's why we got to go back and consider the facts and what the Bible has to say. Sometimes we can feel like God is not with us. That God has abandoned us. That we're all by ourselves. And we just kind of drift away because of these feelings that have now overridden the, overrode the, the facts. Be careful with your feelings. Make sure that you know the facts. That's why Christians should memorize scripture. But if you're not a Christian, it's time to stop and consider what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. You can hear from the Holy Spirit 24 hours a day, seven days a week, any part of the world. He speaks, but are we listening? He's revealed, but are we taking it to heart? He's given us everything we need, and we get upset. Well, if he just do something else, he's done everything we need. The gift of the Holy Spirit is available to you. Repent, every one of you, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's not miracles. That's not inspiration. But you will receive this promised gift of salvation. You will be added to this kingdom that Jesus has established. You will have better promises in this new covenant and hope of eternal life. Now that is an amazing gift. That's what the Spirit has done for us. And it's available for everyone. Fellowship with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. Is that what you want? If you already have that, hold on to it. Don't let go of it. And don't allow your feelings to deceive you. Listen to what the Spirit says in His Word. There's someone here today who needs to be saved. 
Don't wait for a miracle. All the miracles you need are right here in the Bible. They're right here. You got the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't wait for a sign. You have signs right here. To believe that Jesus is the Son of God and believing in Him, you may have eternal life. John 20, verse 30 and 31. Don't seek out an apostle in some place around the world. You got 12 of them right here. 13 if we include Paul. 14 if we include Matthias. You see, we got everything we need right here. Who needs to repent this morning? Who needs to listen to the facts? Don't tell me about your feelings. You can But don't tell me your feelings are better and stronger than the facts or not. The facts is what I'm all concerned about. And that's what you need to be concerned about too. Let's put away the excuses. And let's be obedient to God. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and... So can you. Take care and God bless.